All right, it's Rocktober part three. Yeah, I'm Phil. I'm Kit. I'm Graham saying welcome back to our third edition of our check-in of all the spooky movies we're watching during October. So, uh, have you guys been watching horror movies? I've watched a couple. Just yeah. Valentine's movies for me, Graham. Nice. Like the movie Valentine? Of course. <laughs> I've still not seen Valentine. It's not no, me neither. anywhere. Apparently, uh, it's like supposed to be a good homage to the slashers of the 80s, but I... Mm-hmm. I never saw it because I was just sort of like when it came out, it was like the the nth degree of scream fatigue. Um, yeah, no, it was kind of like the dregs of like that uh, Williamson business, was like very Y two K era. Yeah, it was Denise Richards, David Boreanaz. I don't know who else was in it, but uh, I just remember somebody, like, somebody else from the WB network. Probably was that this is a horror slasher movie? Was it 3D as well? No, no this is like way before the 3D boom. Yeah, that's my Bloody Valentine 3D. Which Bloody Valentine, the remake, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which James Cameron inf- infamously said, is ruining 3D! <laughs> it Shut wasn't, up. James. It wasn't. Um, all right, guys. So who wants to go first? Well, and we'll do it in a round like we were doing in the past. Who wants to kick this off? Phil, go first. Yeah, so um, I've mostly been sticking to the Criterion channel, so... Uh, High yeah. Some so, elevated, if I dare say. Or... Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's mostly elevated stuff. Um, <laughs> there, there's some schlock in that mix. Uh, so the first one I watched was uh, the Ozploitation movie, which I guess leans a little more towards like psychological, like domestic thriller. It was called um, Long Weekend. So, so there's some heavy-handed abortion metaphors. Um, nice, but it, but it's otherwise a very good movie with um, nice. two very shitty people uh, who should have divorced ages ago, and uh, they're in the Australian outback, uh, disrespecting nature. And uh, spoiler alert: mm-hmm. nature fights back. Ooh. Take that, assholes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like they throw a banana peel out the window, and then the banana peel gets thrown back at them. Ah. Basically. Cool. Remember to take a bite out of you. Yeah. You recommend it, Phil? Yes, I would. Nice. Okay, Kit. What did you? What have you seen? I'm trying to position my camera so you guys can appreciate the pumpkin, even though the listeners at home cannot. It's a great pumpkin. I like it. Yes. Thank you. It didn't take me long. The trick to uh, jack o' lantern carving, as I discovered, is to not really think about it. Yeah. Carve a jack-o'-lantern. There were so many people there struggling like to come up with something good. And I'm like, just don't worry about it. I don't know. Just do the first thing that comes to your head. Mm-hmm. Take too long. Make it easy. If yeah. you're not a friggin' um, professional pumpkin carver, like you, you see them, they're, they're really good. But if you don't have that expertise, don't like sweat it. You're not going to learn that in the next half. No, not at all. But... Okay, so I've watched, I kind of went on a slasher bender Nice. Uh, this past week. I've only got three movies under my belt uh, for you here, Graham, but uh, we'll go for the first one. Was uh, I went with Friday the 13th Part 3. Watching a lot of Part 3s this year. Nice, I'm a fan of Part 3. Uh, Friday the 13th 3D. 3D, which is great because they really play that to the hilt <laughs> from the titles themselves, which uh, seem to jump off the screen. Of course, I'm not wearing blue and... Uh, red 3d glasses i'm just enjoying the it's like 
Dr. Tongue's, you know, the old yes, SC. We have yeah. pancakes. Do you like some pancakes? Uh, classic. So there's a lot of that, but it's like eyeballs and like, uh, a, you know, like one at one point half a man coming to the screen at you. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, they just lean right into the uh, 3D cheesy thing. This is also the uh, the movie where Jason gets his mask, which is uh, nice. Oh yeah, uh, I'm a fan. Hockey mask. I like that he uh, in in the third movie he finds a look. And uh, just sticks with it. He's like, "This is me. This is this mm-hmm. is who I am." Um, yeah. It also has the great disco theme. Is the disco theme at in for the opening credits? It's the disco theme version of. Oh the yeah, Fred very much is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I I didn't write any notes for that because it wasn't for this really. I was just no. watching. But I think I did appreciate. Oh, there was a chat going on. I was watching it with it. It was like a, one of these parties, these online watch parties. So, nice. Was it the first Friday the Thirteenth movie for a lot of a lot of the people watching? Uh, well, one of the uh, one of the people watching hasn't watched very many movies at all. She's basically just stuck to anime stuff. She's a, like a Weibo type uh, girl, so uh, very into watching new movies, though. So cool, uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. The Friday the Thirteenth series is a weird one. I'm going to be going through all the movies very soon, uh, start to finish, because like Jason's not in the first one, and he doesn't really show up until part three, um, and even or you know he doesn't show up until part two and then he doesn't really get a look until part three and then it's in part four where everyone's kind of like oh he should wear the hockey mask all the time and then it becomes the thing that he wears throughout the rest of the series you really see his gnarly face a few times in this one i thought he was wearing a potato sack in the second one but it's really just a pillowcase with like an eye hole cut in it yeah but uh, he's got two eyes which i don't understand why he only cut one eye hole one of his eyes is lazy Hmm. oh i see i guess they Mm -hmm. were just for like an elephant man type uh, look. No, no, one of his eyes doesn't work. But yeah, um, spoiler alert, there. they were actually trying to do like a literal new beginning with the fifth one where Jason's only really in it for the first ten minutes. He's not, yeah, he's not really the villain. He's uh, no. dead in that one. It's a, it's a copycat. Yes. I've heard. Yeah. But I did uh, notice that uh, Jason gets an axe to the head and, mm-hmm. and probably a rather nasty headache. Uh, it's probably uh, three <laughs> tablets for him later on. Um, and uh, I think that axe wound in all the movies that Jason is in, not the copycat killer, is actually on the uh, mask. Yeah, it carries all the way through. Through uh, even it even shows up in uh, Jason X, even though it's even though he gets a new mask in Part Eight, um, and in Part and in Jason X, it's a completely different style of hockey mask, um, but he still has the 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 mark. Uh, the mark is there. It's, hmm. it's on. And it's in um, Freddy vs. Jason. It doesn't show up in the remake, though, because he doesn't get an axe to the head. No. Um, what the funny thing is, they just kind of leave him there. Uh, also, uh, what's her name? Chris, who uh, I guess, she, I don't know if she was in part two, really. I can't quite remember part two. No. no, no. But her story is that she was attacked by Jason two summers ago. Uh, and she's just heading back to the same yeah. camp where that happened. Continuity is not strong <laughs> within the Friday the 13th series. <laughs> Uh, especially like time, because like the first the the first movie happens, and then part two happens like a year later, and then parts two, three, and four are all the same weekend basically, but in like part four, there's a guy whose sister was killed by Jason years ago, in like one of the pre like he's the brother of like someone from part two or part three, and he's been like camping out in the woods and he's got all these news clippings and it's like, so did you just go out that afternoon like or did you because you would have been like out and about even in like uh jason uh in part seven it's set like 
you know, like it's been 15 years since they, Jason showed up last. And it's like, oh, so it's the year 2002. It doesn't really. <laughs> People are driving around in space cars. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, cool. So I watched uh, The Evil from 1978, which was ooh. a, um, it's, it started off and I was kind of like, oh, it'll be all right. It's a, it's a new world picture from that era, but it's not, but Roger Corman wasn't really involved, which is why there's no unnecessary shower scenes in it, probably. Um, but a uh, real interesting movie about people cleaning up a house. It kind of felt like City of the Living Dead in, a, in just in terms of like uh, a doorway to the evil opens up and things just like hell starts spilling out. Things start going crazy. There's like permanent night um, and people get locked inside this house and have to deal with like hell spilling into it. Uh, good movie. I don't want to ru- ruin too much or spoil too much, but it's uh, yeah, decent fun movie. Uh, Phil, what else have you watched? I last night I watched uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, also a Criterion Channel movie and like a big uh, horror movie blind spot. Uh, Not a great is that title. the one with Jodie Foster? No, no, that's pretty. It's a pretty much entirely unknown cast. Although Paramount did distribute it, it came out in '71. Um, mm-hmm. It was available intermittently on home video, but. Um, it's big with the midnight crowd, the midnight cult movie crowd, but it's not a particularly campy movie. It's like a very like slow burn, like psychological yeah. uh, horror movie about like a woman's mental breakdown, and it's it's also like based on like Henry James somewhat. And Always a fun subject of camp. And there's also like the death of the counterculture allegory in there, and like some like really great early synth score as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing you say about like it's probably with the midnight crowd is that what can what constitutes a midnight movie now mm-hmm. versus what used to. I think the room kind of changed the game on that. Where now everyone expects a midnight movie to be wacky, yeah, and, like a laugh riot. Whereas like midnight movies in the past were just weird, like it was yeah. you know Eraserhead or El Topo or or you know or Persona by Ingmar Bergman was a popular yeah movie sure in years. Um, and it's only recently since the room kind of came along and steamrolled the entire repertory screen thing where it's like anything that we watch that's not new is bad is supposed to be funny and bad. That's kind of like tainted the midnight uh, mm-hmm. movies a little bit. Like one of my favorite midnight movie experiences was watching uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness um, yeah. at midnight at the Market Square Cinema in Toronto. And like that's oh, a yeah. slow movie, but like you kind of like ease in. Everyone's really tired. Um, mm-hmm. And then after 1 a.m., when all the weird, crazy stuff starts happening, it just hits you perfectly. Yeah, like it's it's very much like in like the Polanski vein, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the Tenant. Yeah, like the Tenant and Rosemary's Baby, and like that that ilk of you know psychological horror. Cool. So is it a, a check it out from you? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Kit. What have you seen? What else have you seen? Uh, the next thing I watched, uh, speaking of great scores, I watched uh, 1979's Phantasm. Yeah. That is a great score. I love that movie, too. Which uh, which I enjoyed. And, um, well, I guess spoiler alert. I'm sorry, folks who haven't seen Phantasm. But uh, I didn't even mind that it was just basically, you know, a dream. The whole thing. Well, you've never seen the sequels, have you? I know there's sequels, so obviously more happens but within the movie the first movie self-contained i mean what are you else to you know you gotta be left with the fact that i guess it was a dream yeah 
strong possibility that that's the case because um <coughs> reggie the uh, the ice cream man who i loved uh mm -hmm. hero of the film um he's he's alive even though he got uh he got killed pretty badly um earlier on in the action mm -hmm. um but yeah, man, what a what a great score! It's a pretty fun movie. I'd never seen it before. Uh, one of those blind spots for me. But I had seen like the VHS cover from when I was like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, eight, and been fascinated by the uh, the creepy uh, tall man, as his character is called. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. What did you guys think? Have you guys seen the Phantasm? Yes, we saw it. At, me and Graham, we saw it at the uh, Royal a couple years back. Oh, with cool. A very a very obnoxious. Uh, group of people right behind us that's which uh, ties back into what you were saying graham about you know like you're like all old movies are bad and they're, and they're like all unintentionally hilarious apparently i mean there is some campy elements to oh this. absolutely 100 percent, yeah <laughs> Especially but, like, people are just there to like just make fun of the movie and no that's through it and Unless it's a Rocky Horror Picture Show screening, oh, where sure, which is like history of that, then I don't know what people are doing. Yeah, yeah. It was a former blind spot of mine until I saw it at the Royal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was super fun to see it on the big screen. Um, okay, moving on to my next thing, I watched 2015's Deathgasm. It was it was a lot of like guys that had watched Evil Dead Two a lot and. Probably Peter Jackson's brain dead. Like one character wears, wears a bad taste t-shirt at one point. Um, kind of like, wouldn't it be funny if we fought off demons with sex toys? Not a lot to hang its hat on. I'm not a big fan of um, the over-the-top comedy that comes out of uh, New Zealand and Australia. Like I think that there is good comedy being done in New Zealand and Australia. But um, but I just don't feel that like it's, it's kind of like their lowest brow of comedy. So Deathgasm, not a fan is my long story short. All right, uh, Phil, anything else on your end? Yeah, uh, third one. Uh, this is another blind spot that didn't really need to be filled. Um, as part of a group watch on Sunday, I watched uh, 2002's The Ring. Oh, yeah. on a date. Yeah, like, I, I think I was the only person in 2000. I felt like I was the only person in 2002 who did not see the ring, but yeah, yeah. I didn't want to see it, but it was, it was the pick. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really weird that that movie was as popular as it was, but like, cause like it's slow horror, but not good slow horror. Maybe Ringu is good, but, and what's funny about the ring video is it just I mean, basically what? feels like a new metal video, yes. very much a, y2k or a new metal video mm -hmm. and there's a bit of that new metal and the horror elements the pg-13 horror elements of it do feel rather new metal in between like the the boring slowness of it all probably the name of the new metal group that uh is going to make that music video yeah maybe the boring slowness of it all yeah so Phil again, earning, <laughs> just just throwing shade on movies. Um, I, 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 two out of three were good. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I uh, I saw the Ring, the American one, but I also saw the Japanese original. I remember I liked the Japanese original Amer uh, better. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed the recent uh, Sadako versus Kyoko. Oh, I'm screwing up the names, but it's it's the Grudge versus the Ring from Japan. I heard. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's so. It's so good. Um, 
and it's actually scary and it kind of like draws them together and like in it there's a great scene because it's from like 2018 where a couple teenagers like are like oh so we want to like digitize my my mom's uh wedding video and so they get a vhs tape and they're like what the heck is this and they don't know how to how to digitize it so they go to like a a thrift store and buy a vcr and inside of the vcr has the the ring tape on it (laughs) and then but the thing is then like uh some people are also just like they they basically also realize that the grudge house isn't too far away so they like play the ring videotape in the in the grudge house to get the <laughs> it's pretty good it's pretty it's good. So good it's really it's interesting that the ring also came out at the tail end of the vhs era like it seemed like everybody had a dvd player by that point as well but like still probably a vhs like access. yeah for sure yeah. the combo i still have the both i do remember the ring too which i don't know that came out just like maybe a year later and that's mm-hmm. pretty- out loud funny at some moments. Yeah, it was it a bad was, CGI yeah. attack. It's great. Well, the interesting thing is they didn't base it on the sequel, the original Japanese sequel, because it was a trilogy. And, uh, and yeah, they just, for some reason, didn't base it on that, so I don't know. Um, all right, Kit, what have you seen next? Oh, uh, finally, I uh, I guess I filled a blind spot as well, sort of. I don't know. Uh, I finally got around to watching The Purge. Ooh. Mm. The the it's I consider it the Friday the Thirteenth Part One of the Purge series. <laughs> it's the one where it's like all the sequels are way better, but the first one needed to be well, there to lay the groundwork. Thing. When I when the movie first came out, I, the premise seemed just too stupid to me, and I I didn't I don't know I was and I'm plus tired of the whole. I'd seen a few um, of these um, homicidal, lunatic, mask wearing home invasion style movies, and I'm like, man, this genre is getting played out already. So I just wasn't interested. Uh, but then I heard all like some sort of critical acclaim that the series gets over time, I guess, because it continues and, and refines the uh, the world that it creates. So I finally decided to give it a shot because it was, you know, just long enough and I didn't want to watch too long of a movie. And man, it's not bad. Yeah. They they pull off the premise pretty good. You know, I can buy it sort of, mm-hmm. you know, you think of like a group like QAnon taking over power and something yeah. nutty like that could happen. Yeah. Well, Purge... Purge Anarchy, that's the sequel, is really good. Purge Election Year. I actually haven't seen that one. I saw the one after it uh, called The First Purge, which is very confusing because there's two First Purge movies now. But And the funny thing is, like, the first, the actual movie called The First Purge, the prequel, which is on the very first Purge night, is pretty much all about Trump. Like, what is the show now, for Christ's sake? I know. Well, the show is done, but I watched, I watched the two seasons of the show. The show is really good, too, because it's basically sort of like, what kind of world is that that you live in for the rest of the year when the purge is tension would be high in the neighborhood. Uh. Yeah, it, it is. Cause like basically like one guy is like somebody tried to kill him one purge night and it was a professional hit. And then he spends the whole year being like, who tried to kill me? Like who, who have I pissed off the most that they, they actually wanted to kill me. So it's very but, like, I love it. But uh, the, the villain, like the main, like the first group of villains that comes the, like the young preppy, I found them too annoying a little bit, like just gratingly annoying, just, not in a, oh man, it'll be fun to see them get theirs. It's just like, just fucking annoying and cliched with the, the Manson, you know, hippie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Watch the second one, though. It's The second one yeah, is just like such a big step up from the first one. I, I, I dug it when it became a, an action movie, when it just stopped being a horror movie and it became like a home defense action movie. That was just kind of a fun change of pace. And then um, the, the really rich elites being... Um, 
super villains, I guess, was mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. ending for the for the film. So overall, uh, decent. Yeah, when I'm Michael- sure there's going to be like a COVID purge movie now. Uh, I know for sure there will. Yeah. Well, yeah. their next COVID film- pandemic. But- the next Purge movie was supposed to come out this year and it was supposed to coincide with like the election and it was mm-hmm. called The Last Purge. Mm. Michael Kenneth Williams shows up in Purge Anarchy. Oh. Uh, Frank Grillo is the star of it. It's really cool. It's almost more of a John Carpenter thing of like people like out on the street trying to survive the Purge for a night. Yeah. Um, purge election year gets a bit more into the politics and then the first Purge is all about how people are trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. And... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, because the initial inspiration for the the government, the, the new founding fathers of America, the government that actually creates the purge, was at the time the Tea Party. But now that's evolved into the QAnon followers and the and the Trumpers. Does, does Lena, is it Headley? Lena Headley? Headley, Headley, it is Headley. Man, I couldn't remember her last name uh, just for a second there. But uh, Cersei on, the, on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, is she, does she do the second one as well? Or? No. They don't follow that family anymore. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it's no more Ethan Hawke. No. Well, he he died in the first one. Oh yeah, I have like no memory of the first <laughs> one. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so next, I watched Twice Dead from 1988. Uh, this movie is super fun. I was not expecting it to like it as much as I did. The premise was family moves into a house. Uh, and there's a ghost in the house, but there's also squatters. Um, but it actually is more of a teen exploitation film with the haunted house in it. So it's like these, this family, poor family from Colorado moves to Los Angeles to live in a dilapidated home that's in their family name. And they arrive to find squat like these. They're the best kind of like street gang from the 80s. They're an all white street gang of like people driving really expensive cars, but they live on the streets. Um, and there's a big fat guy riding a motorcycle, riding a dirt bike in it too. Nice. Um, and so they kick them out of the house um, and turns out that the house initially belonged to this uh, actor who went insane and killed himself. So his ghost haunts the manor, but not really at first. You don't really know that until the very end when things start to get uh, go haywire. Uh, and it's fun. It's, it's teens defending their house against gangbangers and a ghost. Um, yeah, super fun. Uh, Phil, have you watched anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Just those three. Kit, what about you? Uh, same here. Uh, slower week, but uh, I got plans for this week. Still going to continue trying to watch as many spooky movies as I can. Yeah. All right, let's keep going with the rundown because we have under 10 minutes until this session ends. Um, I watched uh, Lucio Fulci's 1990 film, Demonia. Mm, Toronto plays itself? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> Sicily plays Toronto. Um <laughs> Uh, no, it's uh, you, have to, you, have pronounce, you have to pronounce the movie as demonia. You can't just call it demonia because it doesn't sound good. It sounds like a, a floor cleaner. Sounds like pneumonia. Yeah, so it's it's Lucio Fulci's attempt to like recapture the glory of City of the Living Dead and the Beyond and those films. Uh, he doesn't quite reach it. He gets kind of gets like stymied by a bad cinematographer. But it's it's fun. Basically, everyone calls it his nun exploitation movie. It's not a nun exploitation movie. Basically. It starts in like 1565 Sicily where these there, where there's the secret coven of nuns who are committing all kinds of sins and, and horrors. And they get, uh, there's five of them, and they get crucified in the basement of their, of their monastery or their nunnery. And it gets sealed up. And then there's a archaeological, comp, uh, archaeological dig from the University of Toronto goes to Sicily to basically like try and like find out what happened 500 years ago. 
uh, and they wind up uh, knocking down the wall that reveals the crucified nuns. And then the ghosts of the nuns start possessing people and, and it gets kind of funky. It's, it's really good. It's not great Fulci, but it's fun for his lighter film when he was basically dying while shooting it. It's not bad. Um, I then watched Lake Bodum, which is a Finnish movie from uh, 2016. And it's interesting because everything I read about it was slasher, slasher, slasher. Uh, it starts off like a slasher, but then it totally breaks away from being a slasher. And then it folds in on itself to back to being a slasher. It's, uh, it's, it's really impressive. I, um, it's played seriously, which is great. Like anytime I hear like, oh, it's like a slasher movie from the 80s. I, it's, it's campy and bad. And whereas these people, they played it seriously. And it's actually inspired by the real life Lake Bodum murders that happened in 1960 in Finland. They, for the longest time, were the most notorious noters, murder, most notorious murders in the history of Finland. Um, but yeah, the film, I highly recommend it. It's great. Uh, then I watched Grave Encounters from 2011. This is a Canadian film. And uh, I put it off for a long time because it contains, it's a mockumentary. And it's mm-hmm. the gag of it is that it's a ghost hunting TV show called Grave Encounters, kind of like, uh, what's that show that Zach Baggins hosts, Ghost Adventures or something? Right, yeah, I don't remember, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's very much inspired by Zach Baggins as like, hey, here's a group of people that go and they lock themselves in allegedly haunted places for a night and they like use EVP, they use, uh, they try and like electric, uh, find all, mm-hmm. like, they set up night cameras, like uh, night vision cameras, and they never find anything or they have to like fake stuff to make it seem like it's spooky and haunted. But in this place, it actually is haunted and things go horrendously wrong. And it was really good. I was genuinely scared doing it during it. What was uh, that? What was the movie called? Grave Encounters is the title. Oh, of it. Yeah, on Prime. They were, uh, I, I noticed that. Uh, I, I, I say check it out. It's really good. The only issue is like it was made in 2011. So it looks like paranormal activities kind of um, offshoots. Like a well, it's it's more inspired uh, by, by all the. It was uh, done by the same people. Well, it was it was more inspired by the, all the ghost hunting TV shows that started up. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in the aughts. Oh, I'm I'm saying, but maybe it was done by the. It was it is it a Bloomhouse thing or? No, no, it was it's a Canadian production, very low budget Canadian production. Uh, and it, it made a lot of money and it made a sequel that apparently is not very good from what I've heard from people. Um, so the next one I watched was actually on the CTV app. They have, uh, yeah, they've got some stuff. Yeah. I watched the creature with the, with the atom brain, which should be the atomic brain. Uh, it starts off pretty good, but just becomes a bunch of guys with pomade in their hair, like speaking exposition to each other. Uh, Oh, good. (laughs) So essentially, it's about this gangster who teams up with an ex-Nazi scientist to create, using atomic energy to create zombies to carry out his will. Not like eat your flesh zombies, but just like dead bodies that he can control. Uh, it's 70 minutes long. That's probably the best part of it. Uh, and then the last horror movie I watched uh, is The Beach House from last year. Uh, it's currently streaming on Shutter. I think it's a Shutter exclusive, not an original mm-hmm. not exclusive. And it's really well made, really well constructed. Basically, a uh, university couple go to the, the boyfriend's parents' beach house. Um, and due to global warming, a weird life form in the sea has been, been, like, uh, been released. 
it's not like any other life form people have experienced. And like, and this happened, this, that's like explained later on, but it's how it affects you. Like at first there's like, Oh, the, the water's glowing an interesting color. Like it looks like, like, uh, like glow in the dark kelp. And then on top of it, there's this weird fog that rolls through that kind of leaves a film on everything. The water feels different. There are these odd jellyfish type creatures and then people start getting sick uh, and then acting weird and it gets more and more worse. It's, it's Lovecraftian in a little bit. It's also very kind of like George Romero, where like the world falls apart very fast. Um, really well acted, really well put, paced, really well put together. The ending is kind of meh, but on the whole, I really liked it. I didn't know where it was going to go. Uh, and yeah, that was the beach house. So, uh, so I think that's it for all of our spooky movies for this week. So we'll be back with another episode on our, uh, our film this, this week called uh, Sleepaway Camp, which actually what was made due to the success of Friday the 13th Part 1, tying it all back into Kit's watch from earlier tonight. Um, but we'll be back to talk about that. And then we'll also do Part 4 of Rocktober, our fourth and final chapter in the Rocktober series next week about what we're watching during actual Halloween week. All right, so for Death by Video... I've been Phil. I've been Kit. I've been Graham saying, keep watching spooky movies. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.